Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 172, the multi-award winning podcast brought to you by your friends, me Danny Murray, me Mero, yeah, it's Graham Mero Merrigan, how are you? Good, that's what I was going to say, one week I say me nickname and the other week I'll say me full name. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, we took a week off last week, so we're back this week, and we're back with a doozy, as they say, in parts of the world that I haven't been to. Before we release that information, how are you? I am absolutely tremendous. Uh, this is going out on Sunday, so congratulations to the Ballybrack Bulls. <laughs> the mockers on it. <laughs> the course of the seven snotty orphans. Yeah, as we're, we're recording this in advance of... The Bulls taking off. Uh, the Rebel Rebel Wheelers, is it? Is they playing Cork, yeah. isn't it? Is they playing Cork? Rebel Schwealers. Wheelers, Schmailers. Schmailers. Um, yeah, so but by the time this goes out, that match will have been played. But people know that because we'll have tweeted about it and whatnot, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, Mer- Merrow is going to be bring- drinking baby shamble, baby shandies out of the trophy and everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> few, God. Few, well, few Roy Venus. Last year we were really big underdogs going in against Clester, who we've never beaten before. Um, we've beaten different versions of this Rebel Wheelers team, but they've got they basically have two, two or three good players from Limerick. Yeah. Uh, last year, Limerick team disbanded their players. I don't know why actually. Two or three of their players went to Cork, and uh, one or two of their players went to Kilkenny. Right. And it was like, what are you splitting up a team for? Just stay together. So, um. It is. We are going. Sorry, the point of that was that we are underdogs again, but we like that tag, don't we, Danny? Yes, indeed, Graham. Yes, indeed. Um, And everyone will know the result. I was going to say, I love that we're doing a preview of your match for a podcast that's going out after the match. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yeah, anyway, right, so Bulls basketball final. uh, Yeah, I I don't know. We can't really, because, yeah, the the time is recording. Let's just, change the deck. Let's just Come move here. on. Just move on. Did you watch um the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix? I have not watched it yet. I oh, you're going to love it. Um, if you, I, I seen you tweeting about it, and I've seen a few other people, and then one of the lads in work said it to me as well. And anybody who I've seen have, and I, I remember when the story came out. Like I remember when it, when it happened. I um, don't at all. It was it was Jar Rule, wasn't it? It was Jar Rule was yeah. the. But uh, yeah, I, uh, but seeing kind of your tweets and talking to a couple of lads in work, I was like, all right, yeah, now I have to, I'll have to make time to watch this. But I've been watching The Ranch, Graham. I've been binging. Oh, you talked on... about this? I haven't started it yet. I absolutely love it, man. It's like <sighs> it's chewing gum for the brain. That that's good. Who's in it? Uh, Ashton Kutcher is in it, and um, Danny Masterson is in it. And he? Uh, he was in that seventy show with Ashton Kutcher. I don't know if you did. You watch that seventy show? I did. I loved it. He was the guy who always he had the kind of afro and the sunglasses, and he was always oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. very dry, very dry. Yeah, and in this, he's bring, I think he was. I think there was accusations made about him not so long ago, but I don't know if that ever came in him or not because Netflix seemed to have cleared him, and they made another series after all that. So I, I. I presume he was innocent. I don't know. Just before anyone tweets us being like, you can't be supporting that kind of blah, blah. I, I don't know, lads. All I know is I like the show and it's very funny. 
And it makes me laugh. And when I'm sitting on the sofa of a Sunday morning feeling sorry for myself, that cheers me up. So don't take it away from me. You're going to, when you're watching Fire Festival, you're going to be like, these absolute idiots. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it might give me a just few a little, ideas. Just a little, st- yeah. For the just, next- well, one thing. One thing that, that I, I do know is that those people that invested in, in uh, to go to this festival wouldn't last a minute a witness. Well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But also, if they invested to go to that festival, I feel like we missed a beat by inviting half a Ballybrack to our live shows. We should have been targeting them, Merrow. <laughs> Come here, do you remember um, in around 2002, 2003 maybe, when we went to witness and we were head to toe in mud? Oh, stop. Was that was the year Oasis night, was it? Uh, I think it might have been Oasis, yeah. I, I, <sighs> Jesus, that was... Yeah, it was because they hadn't changed it to Oxygen. It, I think that was the yeah. last witness. Um, we were head to toe. I was in the toilet uh, trying to get rid of the muck. Uh, was I was on TV. I'm only here five minutes and I'm up to me tits and muck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. I remember then I went to Oxygen a couple of years later. And uh, it was the first time, I think it was one of the first ones that they allowed you to go down on a Thursday night if you were camping. All right. I think, now I could be wrong, it could have been a Friday, but it fucking felt like I was there forever. I left after Saturday night. I could. I didn't even stay for the Sunday. I couldn't hack it. Me tent really? flooded. Me tent flooded. Uh, the lads in the tent beside us were just so messy like that, like the middle of the night and all, they'd just be jumping on top of their tent and then just sleeping on the ground, like in, in just muck. And then waking up the next morning and just acting like it was all right. And I was like, I can't. This is what happened when Rome fell. I can't live with this barbaric way of life. <laughs> so uh, I just I just packed up my gear and, and didn't tell anybody. I just went to the bus. <laughs> <laughs> on, I, was, I swear to God, it was Saturday night. Like It was Saturday before the headline act and everything had been on, man. And I just, I was like, I can't do this. And I just... I, there, was, there was like me and like three other people on the bus and it was like the quietest loneliest saddest Dublin bus back to, to the city centre uh, and how did you get home from the city centre uh huh how did you get home then from the city centre uh, I had money for a taxi since though I didn't stay for the full festival Graham that is you got, was it you and Jono was it no 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 it was me uh, just Benny Norris Ian Walsh uh, just lads from school like I think, I think I don't think I think I think a few of the lads packed it in. I don't think I think there was only maybe two or three that survived the entire weekend. Um, See, when it was, I have memories, even the early years of auction, but I have them. I have memories of witness just being a uh, a washout like that year in particular. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I went to a festival. Actually, I went to auction the year was it Rage Against the Machine were headlining, and. Myself and Jono went, and because we had both had absolute disasters in the tent, we decided to be posh, and we got one of, I don't know if you remember, they they had these, like, they called them eco-pods, but they were basically sheds that had solar panels on them. Yeah. So me and Jono got one of them one year, and it was deadly, because you actually went, you had a little shower and all, so you could go and you could have a proper night's sleep, have a shower, you'd walk out the next morning, you'd see people lying there as if it was the last days of the Roman Empire and you'd be strolling through fresh as a daisy fully charged phone clean you know hung over but like far more respectable than the absolute plebs on the ground like it was great that's hilarious I would never ever slum it again is what I'm getting at in a tent electric picnic is what it's where it's at well probably not nowadays because they up the capacity but 
Well, that uh, and because like, because oxygen is gone, Electric Picnic is now full of fifteen year olds. Mm. So you know, what are you eating, Graham? Peanut M and M's. Oh, I don't like peanut M and M's. They're from New York. That um, my dad's best though was home from Queens. Yeah, and he be home peanut M and M's. Oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. Is is there a segue there, or do we keep waffling for another couple of minutes? No, um, it's gas though because he's from New York. And who was our guest this week, Danny? Graham, I'm glad you asked. All right, we're joined now by our guest this week, who is WBO World Champ with a 22 0 record. Heather the Heat Hardy. Heather, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, it's your birthday this week as well, so happy birthday in advance of that. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Happy birthday, Heather. Thank um, you. In in Ireland, there's this thing where when somebody knows your birthday, they go, "Any plans? You doing that nice?" And then everyone always goes, oh, no, quiet, quiet. You know, so, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens. Not, nothing special. <laughs> um, I was just on your Twitter two minutes ago, and I just seen that uh, you're calling to get back into the, the Bellator cage. Well, the politics of boxing make it really challenging staying in the sport. And when I have the flexibility of bouncing back and forth, you know, I feel like, I feel like boxing is that bad boyfriend. You give him so many chances and <laughs> keep leaving him. And, you know, there'll be a couple months. He'll come back around. I'm sure I'll go back. But for right now, you know, got to make that paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is there is there anyone in particular in, that you're looking to get into cage against? Or is it just a... Confine, uh, that's really me. hard for me to say. I mean, my first fight, I'm going to have to get back in the cage as a tune-up. You know, it's been a year before I've I've stepped foot in the cage, just about a year. So I, I'm certainly not in any position to be calling out champions or calling out <laughs> other fighters. You know, I, I trust my team and Bellator and, you know, just looking to have some fun out there. Yeah, How are you yeah. finding the transition to MMA, Heather? I'm sorry? Finding the transition from boxing it's to really, MMA. It's really, really hard, especially I can't even imagine how hard it's going to be going back. You know, my MMA training for this world title fight was very limited. You know, I tried to stay consistent with one of my rolling partners who would come and just practice the drills and the moves with me. But when you're not doing the stuff every single day, it's going to be hard to get back into it. But I trust myself as a fighter. You know, my mom taught me that if somebody steals your wallet on the street, you don't give a shit what they know. You just get it back. So I'm pretty sure that when I hop in that cage, it's a fight. It's like a dog fight, and I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do. You um, you, you last year you uh, you done an interview or it, it featured in um an article that appeared on the website over here, the forty two dot ie with with Gavin Casey, and genuinely it was one of the best, not just sport articles I read last year, but just articles in general, like um. Did, Devin did you, is really sweet to me. Yeah. <laughs> He's really did, nice to me. Did, did you find that you got a lot of positive feedback off the back of that? I sure did. I mean, it's really exciting to talk about a fight with Katie Taylor. Um, you know, she's probably the brightest light in women's boxing right now. So, of course, everybody wants to kind of jump underneath her shine, try to make some money. You know, there's not much money going around in women's boxing. It's really circling around just a few athletes and Unfortunately for me, that means I have to go up weight classes higher than where I'm comfortable fighting. But, you know, my, my approach to that was if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And, you know, they hadn't really offered me anything sustainable. Like I had made it really clear, like, I'm going to need eight weeks to train for Katie because I'm not going in there to lose a fight. Um, I'm going to go in there 
to win. And, you know, I'm not about to take a fight on three weeks' notice just for a paycheck. My, my, it's not even the money. It's more my pride is more than that. So if they can present me with some good, a good opportunity, a good situation, I'm going to dive right into it. But I'm going in to win, not just to collect some money and go home. There's, um, there's a couple of journalists I've seen um, who have kind of highlighted that you know, maybe Katie's team are protecting her a little bit and they've kind of handpicked some of her fights. So do you think anything of that? I don't think anything of that at all. She's an Olympic champion, so the thought of Katie being afraid to fight people is actually more ludicrous than anything. I mean, the sport of boxing, the politics of boxing work that way for men as well. Katie's being treated like a male fighter, and as a woman, I don't think there's anything more honorable than that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... For forever, female boxers have been forced to take fights that really didn't make sense just because we, we need it to make the money. And Katie has the luxury of being built up properly, being exposed to the public, so that these fights down the line that do make sense, fights against girls like me or Amanda or Layla McCarter, will be able to draw the money and the crowds that they deserve instead of forcing her into world champion fights so early without really the showcase or the money to follow. So it's about a nine, ten pound difference between your division and her division, is it? I sure is. It's nine pounds. Okay. And is that like, so, and I, I don't know, obviously, I, I'm, I'm not in well, any way a fighter, but. The, the truth is, is it's like, where are you strong? Like, hmm. I can be 140 pounds. But fat as shit, drinking beer, eating pizza, you know, that kind of thing, drinking wine at night, 140 pounds easy for me. But to be 135 pounds or 140 pounds and to be in shape to do an eight-round fight, to, yeah. I mean, I walk up the stairs at 140 pounds and I'm like, oh, <laughs> my bag, you know? Because <laughs> I'm in shape at 122, 125. Not to say that I don't hit 140, because of course I do. But I do it like a fat girl. I don't do it like a fit girl. So it would really require me to change my body, crack down, build some muscle. Um, you know, but for, for the right price and with the right amount of time to do it right, I would love to do it. I would love to do it. I would love to challenge myself, any any opportunity to go out there. But like I said, it got to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. The way you have uh, your kind of compete now in MMA, how, how would something like a Katie Taylor about even come about? How would it would it would it be the case of oh someone's just listening to Heather Hardy some podcast or Heather wants to fight Katie, let's no, make it happen. I mean, I mean there has been talks between our teams about making a fight happen, but um she had fought at Madison Square Garden in December, but I had just come off my world title win, had been suspended from some stitches I got from a headbutt, so I had to rest out for two weeks so it really only gave me a couple weeks to prepare for the fight so it didn't make sense at the time but who knows what will happen in 2019 you know if I have the time to prepare and and it makes sense you know my name is in the mix for possible opponents but I also don't know what path she's choosing to go on Katie is so well uh so high up above so many other fighters she can really pick which way she wants to go does she want to go after the other 135 pound titles does she want to waste her time doing title defenses against lighter girls? I mean, being someone who is in the spotlight for so long, I recognize the cattiness among women who are beneath me, or be, not beneath me, but so to speak, lower in the ranks than me, and the lengths that they would go to try to steal some of my spotlight. And I refuse to do that to another woman who works so hard to get there. So knowing the politics of boxing, 
uh, I recognize very little is in the hands of Katie. She seems quite like someone who's willing to fight anyone that put they put in front of her. But that's up to the boxing world. You um, you're you're very vocal about kind of you know women's boxing and kind of the you know the the pay around it and then you've mentioned there yourself kind of that a fight between yourself and Katie would most likely draw and it would it, it would be a big payday but then when you look at kind of women's boxing in general outside Katie yourself you know even even looking at a uh, Brackhouse the, the Norwegian girl who was and she holds all four belts in her division I think yeah it, it, like if that was a male fighter he'd be a superstar he'd be millions you know what's holding it back for for women i think that we're just getting in the age of where women's boxing is being accepted right i believe it was 2012 was the first year women's boxing was allowed in the olympics where women were able to compete on such an international platform and get recognition clarissa shields is first ever two-time olympic gold medalist and you know the truth of the matter is is we could have had fighters in the early 90s that were Olympic champions. Girls like Alicia Ashley, Belinda Laraquente, Melissa Hernandez, just to name a few. You might not recognize these names, but, man, when these girls were in their prime, they'd be waxing ass out there. Like, Not to say Katie Taylor isn't phenomenal, but there would be equally equal girls right up there with, with her. You, you follow? So yeah. women's boxing was just in the shadows for so long. It's still practically in its infancy and when you see when when you see it in even and i'm not trying to compare you know pro wrestling to to boxing or anything like that but then like there's massive rumors that uh like wrestlemania the the biggest pro wrestling event of the year is going to be headlined by two women this year do you think the tides are turning have you have you seen any of that at all i'm not seeing that with women's boxing really um i mean certainly the tides are turning but they're only turning in women's boxing for a select few a handful um, there are still excellent fighters out there that are having trouble getting fights. Girls I'm watching retire because they're inactive for over a year where these are phenomenal fighters. Fighters who are <laughs> getting us girls ready who are fighting on HBO and, and Showtime and so forth. Girls who, you know, maybe maybe didn't have the best management on their way up and get the exposure that they needed. So. It's still really far behind the other sports. You see MMA, mixed martial arts, you know, the Barclays Center. We had Holly Holm headline the card there. And I'm barely lucky to get on an undercard because women's boxing isn't getting the same open arms from the, the powers that be, so to speak. There. Yeah, I, I, I heard a podcast, the HBO Boxing Podcast you were on last year ahead of your title fight, and it was almost like you had a, a come and get me plea to the guys to get you onto TV for that. Um, I, I, I had to call the vice president of HBO Sports myself. <laughs> my promoter couldn't even do it for me. He, they just kept saying really? no, no, no. And my mom told me closed mouth, don't get fed. So I reached out to um to um God, please don't say that I'm forgetting his name, but I actually <laughs> am. Um, <clears throat> God, I hate myself Is for it this. P- Peter but, something, Pete something. Peter, yeah, yeah, Peter. I I reached out to him myself and asked him and. He spoke for me on my behalf and got the job done. It's brilliant, yeah. And like, believable. I love that story. Yeah. What's that? I love that story. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've hustled my whole career myself. Like, I didn't have a manager until I had 15 fights under my belt because I didn't trust anyone to speak for me. I was. My mom always told me, "You want something done, you gotta get it done yourself." I sold my own tickets. I still to this day. I mean. 
my coach would always yell at me like, why won't you let anyone help me? And the truth of the matter is because I don't trust anyone to work as hard as I do. <laughs> and is that, is, that the, is that the Irish in your mother saying that? You, you know damn well it is. <laughs> you know damn well it is. They don't make us like, they don't make them like us. <laughs> Yeah. All right, nobody it's, works it's, as hard as me. That's for sure. It's story. very, it's, it's very Irish, mommy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <I love laughs> um, yeah. Do you find the same? Um, do, you, do you find the same kind of struggle, hustle struggle in MMA? I don't actually. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I still sell my own tickets only because I can. But I remember going over to MMA, and I swear I use this analogy all the time, but it's like. It's like going out with a nice boy and you're like, oh, my God, he's paying for dinner. <laughs> he's sending me home in a cab. Like, that's really what it felt like in MMA. Like, you know, the guy was finally treated like an athlete. I'd go on these interviews and they would be bringing me bottles of water and there would be a car outside to pick me up. And it was like, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's really extravagant to me. And, and they, they treat you like an athlete and it's it's mad that you're saying that Graham Merrigan never pays for dates, so no. you know what I mean. He's... It's true. <laughs> Excuse me, or do he hasn't paid? He hasn't paid for a date since about 2011. You know what I mean? Like... I'll prove it when I go to Brooklyn header. <laughs> um, I'll, be the, I'll be down in Gleason's gym. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that stood out as well about uh, Gavin's article that, that he wrote about you was um, your, you study forensic psychology, um, yeah. which uh, the, the skills and, and kind of the, the knowledge you retain from that, do you, do you apply that at all to kind of, you know, sussing out opponents, that kind of thing? Or? Um, kind of, yes and no. Like, like I just did a speech at my, my, my college that I graduated from to the freshmen and like, one of the things you go into school and you don't know what you want to do, right? You're just like, fuck, kind of walking around taking classes. Like, you have no idea what you want to do. And that's kind of how I was. And I got my degree and I literally did nothing with it. But the the discipline that I gained through getting my degree, the, degree, the knowledge that I gained from learning how to do business, ethics, um, how business works, how the economy works, what are people looking for, like, things like that. Like, you, you can't by that I would not be where I am I'm not the best fighter in the world I'm probably one of the smarter ones who took my career and did it the right way right yeah yeah um I think as well that like when you talk about the hustle and when you talk about kind of the, the business end of things a lot of people have the hustle you know they'll, they'll work their balls off or whatever to, to get where they need to be but it's it's always the aftermath that you hear yeah. kind of such and such gone broke after five years you know all this kind of thing like um, is there anything that you think, you know, athletes in general need to get better at? Um, I think that athletes have to be, uh, you know, Chrissy Martin, who is a, fe a female boxer from America, mm -hmm. she um, said one time, as soon as one ticket is sold to a sporting event, it's not a sport anymore, it's a business. And I think that most athletes feel like they're just athletes, right? And that they can just be good at their sport and that's it. But I think that more athletes have to be educated on how money is made and how do you make yourself wanted. You know, like mm. when I fought and educated myself on the, the politics of boxing, I realized that I'm only as useful as my, the money that I generate. So my way to get on cards from day one was I guarantee I'll sell you 10 grand in tickets. 
Now, what fucking promoter isn't going to put me on the show, knowing that I'm selling enough money to book the whole show, right? Cost you 75 bucks to book BB Kings for the night. I was selling 15 grand in tickets. Like, it's a no-brainer. Even I could be good, not good, pretty, not pretty, smart, not smart. But if the money's coming in, nobody's going to say no. So that was like my my kick from my first 15 fights. Like, I'm just going to out-hustle everybody, sell these damn tickets, and nobody's going to be able to say no to me. And I marketed myself, and I, I won my first world title on HBO. For Christ's sake, in 2012, when I was running the Golden Gloves in the net, like, people would have laughed at me when I said that. If I would have said in 2012, I'm going to win my first world title on HBO. Yeah. People would have laughed at me. said, yeah, I don't think so, kid. <laughs> and I did it. What, what 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 does your mom think about all of this? Um, it's funny. Like when I had my very first fight, you know, my mom is Irish, right? So I'm sure you won't be surprised. Like my dad was crying through his eyes. And my mom's like banging on the folding chairs in the front row. <laughs> She's like wild. My mom's wild. My mom taught me how to be a bitch from when I was young. So <laughs> I get it from my mama. Where do you get your bitchiness from, Graham? <laughs> Probably his mom too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody as tough as an Irish mom. <laughs> where, where, where's your Irish roots uh, hail from, Heather? Um, my great grandparents are from um, Dublin, and then they moved. It, uh, my grandfather was a sailor, so they moved a lot back and forth between Scotland and Ireland before they came to America. So my grandmother was actually born in Scotland. So if you ask my grandmother, she would say she's Scotch Irish. If you ask my great grandmother, she would slap my grandmother for saying she wasn't Irish. <laughs> so that's kind of how it is. So my grandma would say she's Scotch Irish because she was born and raised pretty much in Scotland, but my grandmother is from Ireland. So she always told us we are Irish. <laughs> you, you, you still haven't made it back to Ireland yourself, though. I'm sorry. You, you still haven't. No, no, I haven't. I mean, my mama just came. My mom just went like a year ago. Like I come from a little place in Brooklyn where most people don't get out. Most people don't leave the neighborhood, let alone travel. So, so I, I definitely have to make my way over at least one point. Yeah, one, one day, definitely. I was, I was saying maybe I can get over there on a Bellator card. Yeah. I know they do fights in Dublin there. They do? Yeah. Or, or maybe Taylor Homecoming. <clears throat> yeah. But she doesn't fight in Ireland, I hear. No, no, she is. No. She's there. We, we're like Katie over here. It's it's it's. There's some people that 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 like men's boxing, and then there's some people that don't like female boxing. Yeah. Uh, but universally, I think everyone realizes that Katie such yeah. a role for, for younger sure, women sure. and stuff like that. But it's it's a it's a bit. No, like we all want to see him fight in, 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 in Dublin or in Ireland or whatever um, on the home and her promoter just seems to avoid the question all the time when the Irish press are saying when's Katie coming home when's Katie yeah. coming home it's, it's the politics of boxing guys they set yeah. it's that bad it's, just, it's, it's, like, it's the business part isn't it better yeah it is so the, the, the Bellator option is, is what we're going to have to push in we're going to have to perhaps Yes, and I think they come through for me. So, so yeah, fingers crossed for yeah. 2019. Well, there's there's a Bellator fight card over here soon, actually. So yeah, uh, Gallagher, uh, right, James? Is that yeah, that's James yeah, James Gallagher. Gallagher yeah. It's fighting on the card. Yeah, that's so soon though. I would never be ready for it. Yeah, I could come over. No. As, as an ambassador, though, you could come over. Uh huh. Yeah, we come over and and 
I should talk to them about that to broadcast. That would be yeah. awesome. And then you'd get I'm the yeah. see, then you get the party over here as well. And you didn't yeah. see, so there you go, it's a win win. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it totally is. And I don't have to diet or fight or anything. <laughs> Your first time will be memorable. Yeah, sure. Um, so, what, what, what do you think is next? Obviously, the, the Bellator kind of call was was made on Twitter, as you said. But is you know is is that really where you're going to push next, or is there going to be kind of a defense of the title? Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I am a fighter. I'm mm. a fighter. I like. I'm fully capable. I, maybe I have two more years in this body left of of fighting and. You know, we're at the end of January, which means I'm not going to be able to fight until at least March or April, which means maybe my first quarter of the year is gone. I'm really not in the business of wasting time. So whoever makes me an offer and gets me a show and gives me a date, that's where we're going with right now. And in, and in long term, you're saying you maybe have two years left of this. What, what comes next? Uh, I like to open up my own gym, have some, some kids from around here. I mean, I've seen... I work with a charity at Gleason's Gym called Give a Kid a Dream and take inner city kids off the street, show them the disciplines of life through boxing. And I've seen lives change, and I'm really, really passionate about that. I'd say half my clients are young girls, young women, men as well, but mostly the women flock to me because I'm one of the few female trainers at the gym. But I see boxing change lives. Um, I don't ever see me not using this as, as part of what I do. You you came to boxing quite late yourself. Uh, do, I was twenty eight. Yeah. Do, do you think it's? I mean, obviously, you know, there would say people who come to it earlier have an advantage and that kind of thing. But is there anything you would say to somebody who is maybe in their twenties and is even just looking to take it up as self defense? Like, um. Well, the thing about boxing that I tell everyone is, it doesn't make you feel powerful and that you feel strong and I can fight and I can beat up everybody. Martial arts as a whole teaches you what you can endure. So the training, you sh- push your body past where you where it's comfortable, and it shows you that you can survive things you think that you can't. And that's the message that I want all my fighters to take away, all my students, all my clients. Like, don't ever discount what your body can do. It'll do anything your mind tells it to do. You know, like your feet don't tell your body to jump off the bridge. This does. <laughs> you know, so yeah. this can push your body to do things that you maybe don't think it can. And that, that's really what gives people confidence when they walk on the street, when they're riding the subway, when they're on the, the train or going into a, an important meeting at work, realizing what you're capable of. What, what do you think, um, you were saying there about the, the charity for the kids, because that, that's quite um, prevalent in Ireland as well in terms of working class areas have huge uptake kids joining MMA clubs and boxing clubs. Is it, It's the same in Brooklyn, is it? Yeah, I mean, we, there are a bunch of programs in Brooklyn that take these kids, these inner city kids off the streets. And, you know, like boxing, for as much as it's a poor man's sport, it's really a rich man's sport. Gloves are expensive. Headgears are expensive. Boxing training is expensive. Insurance is expensive. So oftentimes you have these kids and it's, it's passionate boxers, passionate coaches. Like you see some coaches and you might think like, oh, that guy's a dick. He's a piece of shit. But you wouldn't believe how many young kids he has that he dedicates his time and brings in old boxing equipment just to keep them off the streets with their minds focused on the right thing. You know, you got a fight coming up. You're not thinking of selling drugs or getting in street fights. You know, you're worrying about your weight. Did you get your road work in? How much training you put at the gym? Half the time, these coaches like we do at the gym make these kids bring their schoolwork in. Like, I'm not training you until you show me your books. And 
So you got them finishing their tests, finishing homework. I mean, boxing can change lives. I've met some, I read something today. Somebody wrote something like, like I've met some of the trashiest people in boxing, but for every trash bag, it's a real stand-up person that changed somebody's life. And that, that is real, real true. Absolutely, yeah. That's It's really inspiring though, isn't it as well? Like, it's just, if you can, it's like there's a, there's a local boxing club here in um, Dublin called Monkstown Boxing Club. And last year they had the biggest international tournament in Dublin. It was the Monkstown Box Club. And we, we've had the, the one of the head coaches on the podcast before. And the amount of kids that they have helped through the yeah. boxing club, it's just so it's just it's just beautiful. Like because they don't really they don't really get any uh grants or they don't get any compensated from the government and stuff like that. And it's just these volunteers doing it off their own back and it's you only you see it a lot in, in soccer clubs over here as well um, but it just it's brilliant I just think it's lovely mm-hmm. yeah the, the, the Monkstown Box Club there was nearly a thousand schoolboy boxers schoolboy and schoolgirl boxers at it this year like it was an unbelievable event um, and, you know it, it goes to show just kind of how much grassroots boxing can mean to people as well yeah know? for sure for sure um, I don't know yeah, about um the, what, what's happened in MMA recently, or maybe over the past 18 months or two years, is fighters having issues with weight cutting. Where, where do you stand on all that? Um, weight cut is really challenging. I'm, as a woman, um, there are certain things that happen to a woman's body every month that makes it really hard to lose weight. So weight cuts can, can be extremely challenging at times as a woman. I, I can only speak as a female, right? Like, I can't talk about the guys. I do know from... Just past teammates, you'll have a guy who'll cut 17 pounds overnight. For me to cut 17 pounds, it's like it's like four months of spinach, <laughs> two <laughs> gallons of water, 15 miles in the classics. Like on the other side of 35, for a mother who's given birth, like my body is just like fuck off. We don't want to lose weight, and it's so hard. But you know, like I. I'm finding that the more that I fight and the more that I have to cut, the older I get, I have to come up with like new tricks. Like last fight, I had to juice diet for three days and I wanted to like walk around with a fucking machine gun and kill everyone, but I got it done. And I mean, what can you say? You know, it's like, like I said before, I can be 140 pounds and like, like barely walk up the stairs or I can be 120 pounds. And be like ready to run a marathon. So cutting the weight is significant. That you have to be lean and in shape to fight. Does it because you're 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 almost starving yourself of so much in order to make the weight? Does that have a psychological benefit then in terms of like you're you're hungry both mentally and physically? If, if that makes sense. I mean, I suppose there might be some aspect to it, but the truth of the matter is, is I get off the scale and I'm just like fucking feed me right now. Like, I'm not taking that hunger <laughs> to my fight. <laughs> Maybe I'm different though, but like I got off the scale my last fight and they were like, you have fighter meetings at HBO. And I was like, fuck you, because I have a cheeseburger waiting for me. (laughs) Then HBO will talk to me. They can't go anywhere without me. And that's it. And that's exactly what I did. I had a cheeseburger and I walked in there like I was starving for bread. (laughs) What what is your, uh, what's your go-to cheat meal or your go-to celebration meal after? Uh, I'm from Brooklyn. It's got to be pizza pizza man like I crave pizza but it's funny like I'm still Irish man I, I need like a glass of champagne <laughs> 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 I, 
every every time I like before night before my fight, I need two glasses of champagne and I'm good. That I tell you, that, <laughs> that, that, that's posh Irish. That is, yeah, that is posh Irish. I thought you were going to say Guinness there, Heather. <laughs> no, no, you know Guinness makes me too fat. I'm smart. <laughs> well, Pope's fine. Yeah. You can get their iron levels back up. Yeah, yeah, but let me tell you something. The that shit becomes a habit, and <laughs> that is not a habit I need to be drinking beer every night. <laughs> Yeah, and in fairness, <laughs> one point of Guinness is like drinking three fucking dinners. Like it's it's heavy. It's, yeah, it's heavy. It's like getting two pieces of chocolate cake. Thanks, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do two shots of JMO. It's like less calories. Yes, I'm I'm all for I'm all for the whiskey. All for the whiskey. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned there that like you know one of the struggles as well, but motherhood and you know what's it like? Kind of does your daughter like? watching your fights or is she like worried about oh, you? Well, she, she's totally unentertained by me at all like like sometimes she thinks i'm cool because i box at the barclays center so i can get a really cool concert tickets and stuff and, <laughs> um but outside of that like i'm her mom like it's just it's something she's used to she's always fan it's like mom's gonna be on hbo and she's like well, did you leave me lunch money because that's all i can <laughs> I, I'm not like the big superstar cool mom. My daughter's not like, oh my god, you know. She's like, she's like, yeah. Um, don't walk me to school. <laughs> yeah, that's the Irish in her as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're just about out of time with you, Heather. But before we go, I suppose uh, if you were to get kind of a dream fight on a dream card, what would it be? Um. It's not even to say a dream card. I would love to, I mean, for me, like my, one of my dreams was to headline a card at the Barclays Center. Barclays is like my home it gets in, in Brooklyn, you know. Yeah. I was riding past it when they were building it, thinking like I would love to box there one day. I became the first female to box there. I've boxed there more than anyone else. They call me the first lady of Brooklyn boxing. So to be able to headline a card, I don't know that I will see that in my lifetime because of the politics in boxing. Um, even to co-headline or to be on on one of the made cards, mm. that would be that would be my dream. Um, right now, the big fight I want is there's a champion in Canada who holds the WBA and WBC belts at 126, Jelena Marinovic. Mm-hmm. I might be saying her name wrong. I I don't know, <laughs> but you know I really respect her. She's an incredible fighter. I'd love to go up against her to unify. Um, but again, the politics of boxing might not let that happen for me yet. So, yeah. running down the unification belts, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yes. I want all the belts. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Um, thanks to me and for your time. Uh, whether you're in a cage or a ring next, we'll be watching. Thank and, you. Um, just all the best for the continued success and uh, have a couple of JMOs on the birthday. Uh, you might yeah, as well. for us. <laughs> And then oh, if guys. you can, if you're coming to Ireland, make sure to let to, to give us a tweet and we'll bring oh, you out. I'm gonna tweet it out. I, I'm gonna get at Bellator to let me come and do the show. I'm gonna see if they say yes. So. Do it, do it, and, really, and then tweet us and let us know, and we'll meet up. Yeah, well, awesome. I definitely will. We, we'll make sure Merlo actually pays for a drink as well. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, guys. Kill Heather. Thanks, day. man. Take care. Thanks so much, Heather. Bye, bye. Ah, oh, man. I hope she wins everything. Yeah, so do I, and I'd love to see that Katie Taylor 
Yeah, I think so. I like it's one of them, isn't it? It's kind of like I I know what she was saying. That kind of like you know, the, like it would mean kind of having to adjust because obviously a different weight class and all that. But at the same time, because Heather, because Heather Hardy is a scrapper. Like she's not a knockout artist. You know what I mean? She just she she'll just smother you kind of thing with just like just absolute scrapperness. If that's a but word. I, I I think um, Taylor Hardy would probably take women's boxing to the next level or Taylor home. I don't think I don't think there's any I don't, I don't think there's ever going to be any talk of Holly home. I think the Heather Hardy thing is a possibility. I'd love to yeah. see it happen. But I think as well if you look at any of the the kind of fights where Katie has looked kind of human, it's against the type of fighter that Hardy is. So yeah. I think you add Heather Hardy smarts and just her absolute will to just keep going. Yeah. That that's it. It's a tough fight for Katie Taylor, man. Really, but that's what you that's what Katie wants as well though. Is it, Graham? Is yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I don't know. I think I think Katie Taylor wants I think Katie Taylor wants a return fair on the forty five A and a go with a bumper cars back in Bray. That's what I think she wants. <laughs> well I hope she gets her money and retires and then does what she wants. I hope she gets her money and she she enters into the rejuvenation of Bray County Wicklow and she brings back Dawson's amusements. That's what I want. She might do. It's a car park now. The Dawson's is? What what was Dawson's is now a car park and I'm sure Katie is just as upset about that as I am. Where the bumper cars were? That's a car park? Yeah, where the ghost train and all that was. That is now a car park. Fucking hell. Yeah. Remember when Bray was great? No, yeah. neither do I. <laughs> take, was it, yeah. take that, bro. No, in all seriousness, no. Uh, a friend of the show, Adam Burke, the Bray Comedy Festival is uh, starting in two two weeks' time. Yep. It's and, usually uh, Valentine's on a weekend, isn't it, it? It is, yeah, the week of Valentine's, yeah. So um, if you're at a loss... If you're at a loss for something to do, lads, uh, support the Bray Comedy Fest. We, we normally try to get Adam on, actually, but just... We, just this year with a Christmas break and everything else we didn't um, Adam's been good to us and uh, we've tried to be good back to him so get, give him give him the support that he deserves and get out and, and enjoy a couple of comedy shows at the Bray Comedy Fest this year lads it's, all, it's always good crack absolutely um, will we leave it there? Uh, yeah I don't really have a whole lot to add to that Graham other than uh, it's Six Nations time lovely I can't wait to talk about rugby for the next eight weeks Mero not then, on this show. And then we take a little break from talking about rugby. And then when we get to September, it's the Rugby World Cup, Graham. I need to remark on something. Go for it. I liked the way you said uh, to Heather about uh, WrestleMania main event. Yes. For listeners kind of going, probably got, kind of going, oh, you can't compare wrestling to boxing, but you I'm, can because it's, a, it's sports entertainment. Well, it's the entertainment industry. I, I, yeah, and I'm not trying to, to compare it in terms of like for like. What I am saying, though, is when you look at pay-per-view numbers, pro wrestling is arguably the, the alpha and omega, you know? Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh, that's inside baseball. Uh, but, <laughs> but, yeah, like, and, and there's serious talk of it being Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Now... This is going out on the morning of the Royal Rumble. We do, oh, yeah. we do not know what's going to happen. But what we do know is 
Becky Lynch is fighting Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. So, <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of, Jesus, it's all about Bray tonight. Finn Balor against Brock Lesnar's tonight. Exactly, yeah. Bray's own and friend of the show. You can go back and listen to that one, lads. Finn Balor of Bray County Wicklow fighting against Brock Lesnar. No doubt. Brock Lesnar. With man Paul Heyman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually... Oh, I think we should do a wrestling podcast again soon, actually. I think we should get like a, a good wrestling guest on. Well, we'll try Conrad again, will we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what? You give me an idea. We'll... Let's not have production meetings on air. Let's make that our New Year's resolution, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, Danny. Oh, hang on. We have to do the plugs, man. We haven't done the plugs. Come on. Come on. Where, where, where can you listen to us? Good Lord, Mary. You can listen to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on any podcast provider. All you have to do is search WTS Pod. And of course, if you like that and you want to see or hear more from us, you can go to Twitter at WTS Pod or check out the website WTSPod.com. I'm on social media as at Dan Joe Murray, and he's on social media. Oh. <laughs> I'm on social media at Merrigan Mania. I pulled um, a marrow. I pulled a marrow. You nearly got there. It was deadly. I te- and do you know what it is? In my head, I was like, you haven't done this for weeks. Don't fuck it up. You haven't done this for weeks. Don't fuck yeah. it up. And what do I do? I get to the last hurdle, and I fall flat on my fucking face, Graham. It doesn't matter. We've all been there, but you can get us on Twitter at WTSPod and tweet that. us guest suggestions do do and if you're on twitter you might as well uh, follow at header hardy box and that's where you can hear more from our guest tonight and check out header-hardy.com as well and next time she's in a boxing ring or next time she's in a bellator cage support her tweet about it and make sure she gets paid for what she's worth because she's a fucking superstar as far as i'm concerned brilliant until next time clear eyes full hearts can't too sweet.